Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't even have to be careful about what we're going to say. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will, they're saying, at a minimum, deliver us out of your hand. Either through death or through deliverance. Either way. It says, but if not, if He doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, we want you to know, O King, We will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you've set up. In other words, these three, standing before the king, their life hanging in the balance, said, we will not bow and we will not obey. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. He became even more furious and angry than he was before. The form of his visage was changed against them. In other words, the demon that was possessing him was physically visible. We're going to see that in our politicians this day. We as Christians who take a stand for the Bible, a stand for the Word of God, a stand for Jesus... You're going to see the devil manifest. You're going to see demons that are possessing politicians, possessing judges, possessing political leaders. You're going to see them manifest, trying to get you to renounce Jesus, to renounce the Bible, to renounce Christian principles. You're going to see them manifest. I guarantee it. I said, we will not bow, we will not obey. And Nebuchadnezzar got so mad, he commanded him to heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it was. He wanted this fire roaring. He wanted everything around it to be glowing red. And it became so hot that the soldiers that carried these three to the furnace died from being exposed. They had to get so close to to toss them in that They couldn't get away. They died right there. And as they were tossed in, bound in their own coats and turbans, and 23, these three men fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, in verse 24, was astonished and rose up quickly and spoke to those around him 
said, didn't we three? Didn't we just throw three men into the furnace? They said, yes, king, that's true. They said, look, I see four men loose. They're not even bound up. They're loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they're not even hurt. And one of them looks like the Son of God. In other words, he was glowing even brighter than the furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, you say, how could he do that when the guys who threw them in there died? Okay, think of where... Think of a platform. We'll just use an example. Ten feet up. Circular in circumference. And in the center is the hole where the flames and the fire come up. Underneath that platform is an opening to this oven where they keep stoking coal and wood and stuff like that. When they got tossed into the fire, they fell down probably 8-10 feet and walked among the coals of the fire. Nebuchadnezzar could see them through the flames and they were not hurt and he seen four instead of three so he ran down the steps to the door of the furnace where they throw the wood in and then he called out to them Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego you servants of the most high God come out of here come forth and come up here Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came forth from the midst of the fire The princes, governors, captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was even their hair singed, nor their coats changed, nor they didn't even have the smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. And they've changed the king's word. They yielded their bodies if necessary, that they may not serve nor worship any god except their own god. That's the point the Christians will need to get to in the United States of America. You can kill us if you want. But hashtag I will not bow and hashtag I will not obey your immoral edicts. I refuse. Do what you want with me. I will not bow to this immoral law. That's the point the Christians have to get to in this day and this hour. Not just to resist the government. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't say, oh, Pastor Bob is saying that there needs to be a revolt. No, well, there does. But what I'm saying is, that's just step one. The problem in America today is the Christians have refused to walk according to the Word of God. What did Jesus have to say over in Matthew? Glory to God.
Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. The twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them. This command came from the mouth of Jesus. So you think it might be something you want to do. All right? Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Well, there's a good one right there. Do not go in the way of those who do not know God. Oh, hello. I know I'm talking to someone with that one. Do not go in the way of those who do not know God. Don't follow them. Don't do what they do. Matter of fact, don't even obey their commands. Do not go into any city of the Samaritans. He's not saying don't witness to them. What he's saying is don't partake of their sins. Now he's telling the disciples here, don't go into that city. One, they worshipped false gods. They worshipped false idols. They were pagan. So in other words, Lord, give me the wisdom and the words right now. Jesus is telling his disciples. Now, what's a disciple? A follower of Christ. Becoming disciplined in the teachings of Christ. So if you're a Christian, you are trying to become disciplined in what Jesus says we have to do and the way we have to live. That makes you a follower of Christ, which makes you a disciple. So he's speaking this to you because he's speaking to his disciples. Don't follow after the ways of the unbelievers. And if there's, uh, put it like this, San Francisco, California is, you could call it one of the central hubs of homosexuality in the United States. Yes, there's churches there. A lot of them are, quote unquote, homosexual churches. We could interpret this as saying, don't go into that area and try and preach this gospel. In other words, their rebellion has gotten to the point he's just writing them off. Now, he'll continue to send people they will listen to, people they will receive and listen to, and try and minister the gospel to them. And don't get me wrong, God loves the homosexual people. Jesus loves them. He died for them too, just as much as he died for you and me. We're not to hate them. I don't hate them. I hate their sin. We're told to love them. To minister the word of God to them in love. Not hate. You may think that today's sermon is hate-filled. It's not. It's much as commands will be given by a commanding general leading his troops into battle. It's going to be a bloody, merciless battle that, that is one that his troops, even though they may have seen smaller battles before, this is a major battle. And the outcome of victory depends on this battle itself. The outcome of the war depends on this battle. And this general wants to get his troops completely ready. 
If you've ever seen the movie Patton, based on the life of George Patton, it starts off with his speech. George C. Scott did an excellent portrayal of General Patton. I'm a fan of General Patton. I got all sorts of Patton stuff from my time in the cavalry. I can talk about General Patton. I could, you could say I'm an expert on him. But at any rate, his speech to his troops, he had the whole division lined up, and he gave this speech, firing them up, making no qualms at all about what their job was. Because he wanted his troops ready. That's where we're at today. That's what this sermon, that's what this teaching is about today. To prepare you, to make you know exactly what to do and what not to do. If the Bible says it, you need to do it. If the government says you can't do that, you just tell them, my Bible says I can. This nation was founded with the Bible as its basic text. Throughout all of the documents of the Founding Fathers, the Declaration of Independence, all the letters, the Constitution, the Constitutional Conventions, all of the Founding Fathers' documents talked and referenced to the Bible. I can't remember who this actually was. I heard the story. I can't remember who it was. David Barton would know. Where one founder, Founding Father... He wasn't a believer. And he wrote out this treatise about you know, doing away with the Bible. And he sent it to another one who had like-minded faith like he did. Neither one of them believed in God. The second one wrote him back and said, my advice, because he said, here's what I want to write. Do you think I should go ahead and publish it? And the second one wrote back and said, you better burn that. Because this nation was founded on the Bible. And you might get lynched if you publish that. Well, how far we've come. Now we'll get lynched if we stand on the Bible. And that's what I'm trying to show you today. This is drawing your line in the sand. Not like Obama draws a red line in the sand. And the enemy steps across it and he draws another. And the enemy steps across that one and he draws another. This line is one that if the enemy tries to cross that line, you just need to knock them down, spiritually speaking. It's time for every Christian in the United States to take a stand for the Word of God. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, King, we don't even have to think about how we're going to answer you. We, hashtag, will not obey. We, hashtag, will not bow. And even though the government tried to kill them, God delivered them because they refused to bow or obey and just trust in Him for their protection. We need to get to that point in this nation right now. And it comes to the door of the church. If the pastor of the church continues to preach these feel-good sermons. Well, now, you know, we just got to pray about this. No, we don't. There is nothing to pray about. 
That's going to be what you hear from many of these churches. You know, uh, Mario Murillo wrote an excellent blog post about the four things the church must do now that we, the church, are illegal. Amen. Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana, said the Supreme Court decision today conveniently, but not surprisingly, follows public opinion polls, tramples on states' rights that were once protected by the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. Marriage between a man and a woman was established by God, and no earthly court can change that. And the decision today by the Supreme Court will pave the way now for an all-out assault against the religious freedom rights of Christians who disagree with this decision. Just as in Acts chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness to the word of His grace. Understand, the grace of God has not gone away. If a repentant sinner will come before Him, He will still receive the grace of God right now. But to the preachers who refuse to be moved despite public opinion, God in verse 3 of Acts 14. God will grant signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Amen. In other words, push back. Stand your ground. And let him confirm his message through us with his miracles. Amen. Leaders from an underground church in China have visited America. And were amazed. They said, it's amazing what you've been able to do without the Holy Spirit with you. How far the church has fallen. Amen. In Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will prophesy and be turned into another man. Let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. We're here. We're there. We are at this point right now, waiting on God for power is the highest calling of a preacher. Prayer must be the focal point as we go forth. Those who believe that God must instantly honor our prayers are deluded by modern church entitlement messages. But we dare not abuse prayer or wait after God tells us what to do. Numbers 22, verse 18 and 19 says, Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, 
Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of my Lord to do less or do more. That sounds great right there, right? But then he says, Now, please stay the night here, and I'll see if the Lord changes his mind. So his initial act was noble, but the love of money was in his heart. Oh, I know I stepped on some toes on that one. The initial act of pastors today is to serve God. But the fear of losing the almighty dollar is causing them to change their mind. They may not come right out and admit it. Well, we don't want to offend anyone. In other words, Jesus didn't want to offend anyone either. When the disciple, after Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, called them snakes and hypocrites, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, the uh, Pharisees were offended at what you just said about them. And Jesus said, they are blind leaders leading the blind. Let them go. For when the blind lead the blind, both fall into the pit. Oh, we do not want that. Blind leaders leading blind people down the wide path to the wide gate of social acceptance straight to the pit of hell. And the excuse, well, I was just following my pastor. That's not going to fly. There will be warning signs. Each person in each church will see, hear, or receive from Jesus through the Holy Spirit, warning them they are not in an appropriate church. I just talked to one of my board members yesterday. I won't go into details. But he expressed this same concern about the church he's attending. After the shooting in South Carolina, he expected some type of statement from the pulpit, from his leadership, praying for, giving some statement about what had happened. But he said, nothing. It was as if nothing had happened. They went on with the same feel-good grace message. And now he's wondering if, if he should leave that church. That's a clear warning sign from God that he picked up on. After the Supreme Court ruling, I went on several websites of many ministries that I looked to Receive guidance from and support? Not one of a group of five, not one had anything on their website, no blog post, no comment. One of them was advertising a conference that starts in a day or two, inviting people to come out. Another one's thanking people for the new jet that he just purchased. I won't even go into the other ones. 
the point I'm trying to make is God will give you some warning signs. Other ministries that I associate with and support, they're broadcasting on our radio station network. They came out immediately, within hours of the Supreme Court ruling, issuing statements standing against it, urging parishioners to take a stand of faith instead of a stand on the law. These are ones I'm going to start associating more with. Amen? Moses. Well, think about your prayer when you pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, (laughs) okay, Lord, I'll say that. Glory to God. <laughs> you gotta excuse me for a bit. The Lord says something is I'm just chuckling in the spirit. I'm gonna share it with you right now. What's the classic response in this nation when disaster strikes or when this ruling was issued by the Supreme Court? The classic response is Oh, we need to pray for them. We need to pray. We need to pray. Yes, yes, yes. America does need to pray. But there comes a time when the time for prayer is over. Now, nobody believes in the power of prayer anymore than I do. I, I pray every day. I pray all day long. Someone once asked Smith Wigglesworth, How long do you pray when you pray? He says, oh, I I never pray more than 10 or 15 minutes. Really? Yeah, but I never go more than 10 or 15 minutes without praying. Amen. You need to pray about everything. But there is widespread abuse of the excuse of prayer. It's become an excuse not to do anything. Prayer is being used as an excuse to delay or remain silent or even escape a confrontational situation. What are you going to do about this? Well, I I need to pray about it. In the Lord's Prayer, when you ask God, may thy kingdom come, you're asking God, end it all right now. Let's send your kingdom back to earth and institute the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ so that your will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. That's what you're asking for. Prayer is designed to seek God's advice to give you direction in a particular situation. And if you pray that way, Lord, what do you want me to do? And your answer will come instantaneous. 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.